Hello, and welcome to the Jill Cruz podcast. This is Jill Cruz. And today I had the pleasure and the honor to speak with Kate Donovan, someone I've known for several years. And she has a history. She's an acupuncturist, so a health practitioner for many, many years. And she is somebody who helps clients with burnout. Now, you may hear the term burnout and think, I'm a little burnt out. I'm a little tired. I need a long weekend. But uh, burnout can be mild and it can be severe and there's a continuum. So the work that she's doing is very important in helping people to cope with burnout because it can have very serious health ramifications if you do not address burnout. This conversation was fantastic. We talked about the two biggest things that come to mind for Kate when she thinks about burnout that actually I was surprised by both of them. I'm not going to tell you what they are. You have to listen to the podcast because the first one I was like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. And the second one, she really has a different different take on something that is commonly talked about with um, burnout, which is boundaries and her perspective, which is all science-based, by the way. Uh, something different from we're hearing a lot, and it's a lot more friendly and loving. So there are ways to deal with burnout in and allowing yourself the grace to know that it's hard. It's not always easy, but it's important. So uh, I think you're going to get a lot of information. Kate has a wonderful step-by-step process that you can learn, and it will help you to start to cope with stress, overwhelm, if you are getting into a lot of conflict or, you know, working too hard, right? Taking on too much. All of that stuff is, if that's you, you're really going to get a lot out of this conversation. Hello, Kate. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with me. Hi, Jill. I'm so happy to be here. I can't believe we are meeting virtually instead of in real life for the first time. I mean, the first time we met in real life, which is opposite life. of what everybody goes through today. So we we met first in real life and now we're meeting virtually. And I kind of like that, the way that flowed. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. That's great. And I remember when I met you, you were telling me about your background and acupuncture and how, you know, your story with burnout and how you were helping people cope with this. And so I'm just curious, like, what is top of mind for you? Like, what are you excited about right now? I know you can talk for hours about burnout, but <laughs> I can and do. <laughs> where, where would you start? Like, what's just the most juicy part of this that you want to talk about? I think there are two really big things that have been going through my mind a lot for the past two years, and they haven't gone away yet. And these two things are both topics that I feel like, do you know who Marie Forleo is? Yes. So yes. when she, at some point, I, I did her uh, her B-School, and when she promotes B-School, she says, well, this could literally change your life. And I used to, when I did that, it was 2016, I think I did B-School, 2015. And I thought, I wonder what it would feel like to really feel deep inside your soul that the thing that you are saying to people, offering people, teaching people could actually change their lives. I knew I could do that one-on-one -on -one in a room with somebody, but I was giving very specific advice to my patients over the years. And now I have two different topics that I feel like I can't stop talking about because I honestly think they will change people's lives. The first one is resentment. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. That that was unexpected. <laughs> it always it. is. It always <laughs> is. 
To me, if we could learn as adults how to admit that we're resentful, take a moment to really look at it and ask ourselves, I have, you know, four key questions to ask of resentment to find out where our boundaries have broken down and where they need to be put back into place. Resentment is all about feelings of being treated unfairly. Right. So this means somewhere there's a boundary violation happening. Sometimes the boundary violation is that you've overgiven of yourself. Right. I, I call this making guesspectations where, you know, for example, my husband this week broke the top of the blender. And he mentioned that he broke the top of the blender and he told me the story about how it happened and we giggled about it. You know, whatever. It's a blender. Like you probably replace it on Amazon for $7.99, the top of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And when he was talking about it, he said, we're going to have to order a new one. Because I'm Katie responsible for everything all the time, everywhere, in my mind, he was taking that task and putting it on my to-do list. Mm-hmm. So normally, that guesspectation, my, my guessing of his expectation, would have put that thing on my to-do list. And I would have added it to the never-ending list of things that never get done. And I probably would have given it some priority because it belonged to someone other than me, mm. right? And I stopped. I noticed that it annoyed me a little bit. Meanwhile, yeah. he has not said anything about me doing this. Right. Right. And as soon as I felt it, I was like, oh, that's interesting. I'm going to let it sit for a couple of days. Normally, I ask people to clarify with other people what their expectations are. But I was like, I'm just going to let this sit for a couple of days and see what happens. He ordered it already. Nice. Yeah, like just I didn't do it and I didn't have to be mad about it. He wasn't even asking me to do it. The thing is already done. But in normal circumstances, before I started working with resentment in my own life, I would have just added that to my to-do list, been annoyed that I had to interrupt my day to do it, made it a priority so that I could hang it in front of his face and say, look what I did for you. Look at how great I am. Look how you can hardly function without me. <laughs> this goes this goes pretty deep, right? Like the the desire to be needed and and you yeah. know feel like you're worthy. Yeah. Right? Underneath resentment is usually that. Right. You feel unfair either because you're overgiving or because you're underrecognized. Mm. Those are two really big things. Yeah, resentment resentment and it's almost by its nature not always, but probably nine and a half times out of 10, it's quiet resentment. It's silent, right? We're not expressing our resentment. Right. (laughs) And if we are, we're doing it passive aggressively and people are not hearing the message. (laughs) Right. Right. So I think this is why I think resentment is such a powerful tool because it is silent right now. And it doesn't even have to be spoken about. I didn't have to have a conversation with him about this. I just had to not do it. Mm. So the first question in the series of questions you ask for about resentment is, do I actually need to do this thing? Yeah. <laughs> like before you ask any other questions is, this task that I'm upset about, this situation that I'm mad about, do I even need to be engaged in it at all? Mm-hmm. You'd be amazed how often the answer is no. Yeah. And I could see this question. You could, there's something I learned in my coaching program where we say the same sentence, but we put Mm -hmm. different emphasis on it. So it's like, do I need to be doing this or do I need to be doing this? (laughs) Yeah. So, cause it could, you know, that, that heroing, you know, it's like the hero persona of the martyr persona. I'm going to come in, I'm going to, I'm going to swoop in and save you by doing X, Y, Z. And, and, 
what you're describing is, and I'm not even going to ask you if you need me to do it. I'm just going to do it. <laughs> yeah, because I'm making an I'm making an assumption about your expectations. Right. Probably because over the past 16 years of being with you, I've done this over and over again. I've created this unspoken agreement with you that when you say something, I'm just going to take care of it. You didn't do that. You were part of it, but I participated in that too. Mm -hmm. I created that relationship with you. Right. Now I'm pissed about it. I love it. That, and that's, you know what, it's it's about taking responsibility, right? Like yeah. what you're describing is uh, not, well, I'm resenting you because I always have to do these things for you. It's I'm resenting you because I've created this situation where I think I have to do these things for you. And that's a totally, that goes from blame to taking responsibility, which is a much a more harmonious way to approach it. And sometimes... We are resentful because somebody is crossing our boundaries and they yeah. are doing something to us. And in those situations, we can break down the difference between internal boundaries and external boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. When it's just about you, it's an internal boundary. You've got to figure out why you're acting in a particular way. And you don't have to have a conversation with anybody. You've got to talk to yourself. You've got to be real kind to yourself. You've got to give yourself some grace. You have to practice a new way of being that will be incredibly uncomfortable. You know how hard it was for me to not Google how to replace the top of my Vitamix? <laughs> it was really hard to not yeah. do that. But that's my work with myself. On the other hand, if he had said three days later, did you do this yet? Mm -hmm. When he had not asked me and I had not offered, that would have been a boundary violation on the other hand. And I would that would have... That requires then a conversation. Yeah, yeah. Right, that's so, reinstating boundaries in a different way, but this is external boundaries. So these are two very different worlds and people aren't, don't talk about that. Mm -hmm. So how do you approach, because I, I think of it as agreements and I think mm -hmm. you use that word as well. Like yeah. if you have an agreement in place and somebody breaks that agreement, then you can say, hey, look, you know, we had this agreement. But most of us are operating agreementless, whether it's, you know, a contract or just a, a verbal agreement, like, hey, you know, this is this is my tendency. Can we work on, could, could I make a request? And, and, you know, that sort of thing. But probably most of the people that you encounter, because they're already burnt out, <laughs> right? They don't have those agreements in place, I'm assuming. And what do you, how do you recommend going about that? So the first part of it is exactly this. First, you have to see what all of the unspoken expectations are. Mm -hmm. You have to know what they are first, which means you have to do a resentment journal. This is not the time for gratitude journaling. Nice. Yes. Yes. I love that because it's always like, well, you know, I mean, I love appreciation. I love it. But it's like, you got to do the work. If you're angry, if you're sad and you try to go be mispositive, it's, it's not going to work. And that exactly. you're going to be resentful, right? Okay, exactly. Good. Sorry, exactly. I got excited about the yeah. uh, resentment journal. <laughs> yeah, resentment journal is something that I created for people because I know that we need it. And this is where the work starts. You have to, you start any change program starts with noticing. If you don't see it, you can't change it. We have to start there. So let's open up your awareness so that we know what we're really looking at here. Where are all these resentments? Then we go through the question sieve in the resentment journal. The first one is, does this thing need to be done? 
The second Mm. one is, do I need to do it? Mm. The third one is, if it needs to be done and I need to do it, is there a tool, software, hardware, or otherwise that would make it easier for me? Okay. I love it. So, and then we go into this last series of questions. Am I stuck in a cycle of overgiving or being exploited? And the answer to all of those questions will change. You know, the first one, if the thing doesn't need to be done, you drop it. If you are not the person that needs to do the thing, then it gets delegated. Mm -hmm. If you need a better tool, then you upgrade something. And the the remainder of the answers are you need to build a boundary. Now the question then becomes, is this an internal boundary or an external boundary? Is this something I need to do with myself? Is this something I need to do with others? It's so organized. Thank you, Kate, because I think a lot of people who are burnt out have a lot of chaos in their lives to begin yeah. with. <laughs> so having this orderly process, this step by, you know, eliminate, eliminate, move down the down the line. I think for anybody listening, you're going to have to listen to this probably twice. <laughs> Take some notes. <laughs> well, and it, it does make it easier and it also takes the emotional portion out of it. You already admitted Mm. that it was resentment. Now let's actually look at the situation. Asking these bland questions allows you to just be objective. What's, Mm. what am I really looking at? What's going on? What change do I need to implement? And then how and when can I implement that change? One, two, three, four, over and over and over again until it becomes part of who you are and what you do. Yeah. So, so let's say we, you get down the line and it's, it's a result of some kind of agreement issue uh, or boundary issue. How do you do like what you, I'm sure you have a a process for this too. (laughs) I do. (laughs) Do tell. (laughs) So that was the, when I said in the beginning, there's two things that run through my mind. The first one was Mm -hmm. resentment and the second one is boundaries. I think we're doing boundaries wrong. I do not believe in the statement that boundary, that no is a complete sentence. Most of the time, it's not. Sometimes it is, but most of the time, it's not. Most of the time, it is not enough for you to give yourself enough grace, for you to give anyone else any grace, for anyone to give you any grace. Mm -hmm. So first, I'm going to throw that out there. Second, when we talk about boundaries, the only thing we're talking about is putting up walls and barriers between us and other people. Mm -hmm. But if you look into research... What boundaries mean is where does this thing in my life, this person in my life, this situation belong on a continuum that stretches from integration to segmentation? So do I need to be segmented further away from this? Does this need to be compartmentalized? Does this need to be separated in some way? Or does this need to be closer to me? Hmm. This is fascinating because nobody talks about boundaries being something that allows you to invite in, for instance, help. We become more resilient when we have more access to resources because we've requested help from people other than ourselves that have Mm -hmm. different qualities, tools, and access to their own resources that we might not have. Like, so what if one person in the neighborhood has a snowblower and six people use it? Wonderful. We've all just become more resilient because one person has a snowblower. You don't have to have all the resources, but you do have to be able to open your door and request that someone's energy or tools or resources can enter your space. Uh That's a boundary too. And what we find is that people that have a hard time setting boundaries to keep people out also have a hard time opening boundaries to let people in. Whoa. 
<laughs> so are we, we're letting in the wrong people and keeping the right people out kind of thing? Is that what you're... Or we're just keeping everything out. Uh-huh. It depends. I mean, it varies from situation to situation. But And, and mm-hmm. the correct placement for things on the scale is different for everybody. If you are a very strong community type, you're going to have a more integrated life than some people. If you have a job like mine or like yours, your life will be more integrated than some people's because we are our jobs. We exist mm-hmm. as as our jobs in the world. Right. If you are somebody who has a very analytical engineering mind, it might be really easy for you, possibly. This is not 100% of the time. Nothing is, is ever absolute that way. There's a chance that you like things to be more segmented and more organized and you finish work at the end of the day and you're done and that portion of your life is over until the next day at 9 a.m. when you start again. There's no saying that one is healthier than the other. Right. But what we are saying is you need to know where things need to belong on your own scale in order for you to feel whole, healthy, and resourced. Okay. So I want to understand this a little bit better because the example you used or different, maybe personality types and different types of yeah. work makes a lot of sense. But in any given situation, it could be your your romantic relationship. Yep. It could be your relationship with your boss. It could be your health practices. Yeah, You want to look at how you're functioning on this continuum yeah. and then determine if a source of friction or resentment or whatever it is, is coming from the fact that you actually need to be more segregated, but you're highly integrated and that's not working for you. So, so, okay. Can you give me another example? Cause now that I understand what you're saying better, I would love to hear an example that's like, so I want you to think about people that do a really good job when they work with you. Say somebody comes to you and says, Jill, I really need to incorporate more exercise and better food into my life and I'm having a hard time. I do really well Monday through Thursday and then on the weekend it all shuts off. Oh, what's yeah. happened? What's happening there? <laughs> if we're looking at the integration segmentation continuum, what's happening there? They're getting to Friday and they're segmenting. So they've integrated healthy practices only to the into the part of their life that's related to work. Mm-hmm. So their job is to now integrate their healthy practices into the part of their life that they see as fun, play, relaxation. Right. But they associate it with work. Yeah. So how do we help people cross that bridge? You do this work every day. So I'm I'm not saying how do we do it? I know you you talk about this all the time. and, And so, but the question becomes, how do we help people be more integrative about that part of their lives so that Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like such a cutoff, like Friday at 2 p.m. doesn't become their cutoff time. Right. Yeah. Oh, it's such a common thing you're describing. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, oh, there's so much about this. (laughs) We could go on for hours just on this one example. Yeah. Like the thing that comes to mind for me is being a good girl during the week and being a bad girl on the weekend. You know, that's a, that's a very common, whatever. And that is from A to Z, being a good mom, being a good employee, taking care of your body. Wow. You know, why have we, and I, I blame this all on our school system, which Mm. totally creates Mm -hmm. this segmentation. I said segregation, you're saying segmentation of the weekend is fun. And, you know, so that's, that's interesting. Okay, cool. So this is great. So you, you're going through this process of, I have, something's not working in my life. Let me, let me journal about this. Let me really become, uh, increase my awareness about what's going on 
in different aspects. And then you finally get down to this integration segmentation scale. Yeah. That's a lot. It's, it's fascinating. And it's you created fascinating. this? No, God, no. I'm not that smart. Oh, I, well, <laughs> you are no. smart. You are very is, smart. You know what? The best, the best stuff is when you take stuff like that and you mix it with other stuff that you learned and you create your own Kate's version of this. That's yeah, the this genius. Is, so all of this information comes from boundary research that's been done over the last 15 or so years. And it's really hard to do research on boundaries because they are so intertwined with our values. And our values have a lot to do with our families, our families of origin and our cultures. So Mm -hmm. even within the United States, we have a thousand different cultures that live according to their own values and belief systems. And there are families and communities that believe in more integration between people and families and communities that believe in more segmentation between people. There's also like the socioeconomic status has a big effect on this. When you have a smaller home and less rooms, you will be more integrated with your family because you have no choice, right? Right. As the wealth scale increases, one of the things that wealth buys us is space, which is sometimes to our detriment because then we don't have enough people integrated into our lives close enough that we can really lean on for support. So there's upsides and downsides to to every situation. And so there's this this idea of integration to segmentation is based on on boundary research and it it will you'll find it in almost any piece of research that you look up on on boundaries because this is the standardized idea that people that researchers are using to view how people are functioning within their boundaries. I got into this because in 2021 a research study came out about healthcare workers in the hospital during COVID mm-hmm. burning out. So oh, of yeah. course I read that, right? And what we read there that one of the only practices that allowed people to move away from their burnout symptoms was shifting their boundaries. And some of those shifts were putting up thicker walls and some of those shifts were opening more doors. It really Mm. depended from situation to situation. And when I was reading this, I thought, this blows everything out of the water that we know about boundaries. Somebody needs to be talking about this. And then I was like, oh, I guess that's my job. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you're talking about it. And it's, it's a theme. It's something underlying here that you're talking about that I find in nutrition and fitness, every aspect of health, sleep. You know, some people need, I need eight hours of sleep at night. I have clients who do really well, actually, in six and a half. Yeah. Borderline, but, you know, it. everybody's different. And it's the same thing with when you're talking about boundaries. Yeah. That a boundary doesn't mean, you know, what you're saying is a boundary doesn't mean separation always it, it's, it, it, or segmentation. It can mean more integration for some people. In my coaching program, they call in relationships, they call it glomming, or it's like either glomming, like you glom on in a relationship, or or you separate. Mm-hmm. And the thing is that in a relationship, we all need some glomming and we all need some separation. And and that's not that can vary. And then when your partner wants to glom and you want to separate, that get into fights, right? <laughs> so it kind of reminds me of that. And but the point is that it's all of this work needs to be personalized to you. And yeah. that that's empowering. That's empowering. 
because then you're allowed to be who you are and exactly. not some Disney fantasy version of who you think you should be. Yeah, I think that's the other, the the last really important point about boundaries that I think is one of the reasons why everyone struggles with them, because everyone struggles with them, is that they're not, you're not going to be able to write a, like boundary rules for Kate Donovan Bible and just mm-hmm. go by it. Mm-hmm. Because your boundaries will shift based on your physical, emotional, spiritual, mental selves. If you are an eight-hour sleeper and you only got five last night, the chances that you're going to need a little more segmentation today are high. Yeah. You know? So (laughs) if you just found out that a beloved family member passed away, you might need more integration from some people real close to you and more segmentation from some people that are just not actually in your circle Mm -hmm. of comfort right now, right? So what you need out of your boundaries from a day-to-day basis changes based on circumstance and based on the people you're talking to. Some -hmm. people you want to keep a little further out. Some people you want to keep a little closer. If we do this exercise when I do talks of, I bring somebody on the stage and I say, you know, how far close, how close can I get to you and before you feel real uncomfortable, you know, and I get all up in their business. And people sort of like, you can see them trying to shrink away. So you know, that's the moment where they're like, if you stay this far away, I'm comfortable. I don't know these people. They're on stage. I'm putting them in a hot spot in an uncomfortable situation on purpose. And then I measure with a measuring tape that, that used to be my grandmother's. I measure uh-huh. how far the distance is between the two of us. And then I ask them to get off the stage and go to one of their friends in the room and measure how much distance it is between them and their friend. Usually it's at least half. Wow. Right? Just to remind people that your rules for your boundaries will be different when you're talking to your partner, your child, your parent, your coworker, your best friend, your acquaintance. <laughs> um, this reminds me of something funny. Um, <laughs> I, as a parent, I have 16-year-old and 20-year-old daughters. And I remember when they were little thinking, like, how long is it going to be okay for any of us to walk around naked in front of each other, you know? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and it I am I'm happy to say that my daughters will walk around butt naked in front of me. Yeah. Not my husband. Makes right. sense. But yeah. you know, the three of us, we're kind of those boundaries are very, you know, limited because we're right. so close. I, I just thought I for some reason that came to my mind of, of a boundary difference. And there's Half the people listening that went, oh, my God, I'd never walk around naked in front of my mother. And half the people listening thinking, oh, yeah, we don't care either. Right. You know, oh, totally. Like, and that's the beauty of this world is that right. we're not all the same. And, yeah. But I love I love your example of the measuring between someone, you know, you don't know at all. Yeah. It's it it illustrates you can use that, apply that to so many different examples. Yeah. We always do it in the beginning to sort of set people's brains up. Mm-hmm. So because I like when I give when I talk to people, when I'm on a stage, what I, I want people to feel things viscerally. Mm hmm. And you, when you're watching somebody enter someone else's space, your whole body reacts, even if you're not the person on, you know, like this is a, I, it, when it's a bodily experience that way, you remember things differently. It, it engages your, your, the parts of your brain that deal with memory, it engages mm-hmm. them more. So I like to give people that sort of visceral, like, oh, we're on a learning curve here together moment before right. we start. Yeah. So I, I want to start to wrap it up, but I, I, I would love to hear your thoughts. Being a health practitioner, what happens to us? 
<laughs> if we don't think about any of this stuff and we just keep going on in our lives and we pile resentment, resentment upon resentment, what happens? That's a big question. Yeah, the, the very short version of this is if you were had a family that modeled healthy boundaries, nothing happens to you because you do what you need to do and you take care of yourself. The mm -hmm. chances that you're one of those people are really minimal because there's not too many people like that. Otherwise, when resentment builds up, it will turn into burnout. And mm -hmm. burnout has involves structural changes to your brain. It's the result of this chronic stress, this chronic resentment, this chronic sense of unfairness. It will break down your physiology. It can lead to autoimmune disorders. In the very worst circumstances, it does lead to suicide. Mm -hmm. Heartbreak. There was just an article about a, a, a cardiologist that died of cardiac cardiovascular disease and all of her family was like, well, this was burnout. This was secondary trauma from watching her pa patients suffer. Yeah. Right. So this is that we're talking when we're talking about burnout. The reason that I think it's so important is because we're not talking about just being stressed out. We're talking about, are you pushing yourself closer to death faster than you need mm -hmm. to? Yeah. It's, it's huge. I, I, I said to you before we started recording and being a nutritionist and, and being in the health field, I, I understand the importance of, let's just say stress management. We can just start there. Yep. But when it comes to your overall health, this cannot be, it, it's not an after, it can't be an afterthought. No. And I've, I've encountered a lot of clients who, you know, it takes a little bit of time, but eventually I, I have the realization sometimes really quickly <laughs> that actually this problem, these problems that you're having with food have nothing to do with food right. and they have everything to do with how you're living your life in general, whether it's poor relationship, you know, not having that boundary awareness with your relationships or, um, just overworking, <laughs> Yeah. And of course, as I think what you're saying is these are all lack of boundary awareness and, and understanding what your needs are. Yeah. So a lot of times I really, really want to make this point very strongly for anybody listening here is that it's not always about the food. Oftentimes it's about how you're living your life. And it's, it's so, so important to address these issues. If you're constantly going to stress eat or even boredom eat, you know, it's not only stress eating, there's an underlying issue and it's not about the food at all at that yeah. point. Yeah. Sorry. I just had to get no, that I out think because... That that's critical. I think that's critical. In my own personal life, I know that I've run into health issues because food is one of the only areas that I allow myself pleasure. Mm -hmm. So I have what I want. I eat what I want because in the rest of my life, I'm so segmented from pleasure. I keep that in a separate box. Wow. Yeah. So I've had to, I have to learn how to have more pleasure in other parts of my life so that I don't overindulge and get give myself diabetes. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's an excellent example. Thank you for sharing that. So this has been fantastic. I feel like we just kind of, you know, got the tip of the iceberg <laughs> of what's going on in Kate Donovan's world. <laughs> but uh I I think it's a, you know, people have listening can get some great places to start to think about resentment, you know, journal, start a resentment journal and just pay attention, be aware of what's going on with you. And it, it's always, it always starts with awareness, as you said, yeah. and even just making that small. Cause I, I like, I'm a big advocate of get angry, you know, get angry and, and express those emotions. But then what's one small action step that you can take? 
Yeah. Um, a journal is a nice, specific, simple thing to do. Do you have okay. anything else? Do you have like a, a little, a simple action step that somebody could take besides that? Or would you, would you go right there? I think the only thing that I would add would be if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, there's so many things that I'm resentful about. I don't know if I can tackle this. If, uh-huh. if you're thinking that that's a lot to look at, uh-huh. I would simply ask that you give yourself some grace. Yeah. Just find some space for grace for yourself. You deserve it. You'll need it. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful, it's so important for every, every aspect of health and, you know, career and relationships, everything that, that acceptance. It's like, ah, I don't have this figured out, but I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Yeah. So thank you so much, Kate. This has been educational, inspirational, and funny. (laughs) (laughs) It's always what I aim for. (laughs) Yes, yes. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you so much for having me. Wasn't that great? Oh, man, I really enjoyed that conversation. It was so refreshing to hear quite a different perspective on burnout. And again, I love how welcoming it is. And she has a a great systematic process that I think it's it's always nice to be able to say, okay, what should I do? Step one, step two, step three. (laughs) And... Kate has a tool that might be useful for you if you feel like you want to try this journaling stuff. And it's called the Resentment Journal Mini Course. So if you go to katedonovan.com, that's C-A-I-T-D-O-N-O-V-A-N.com. And then you go, you can learn about Kate. And then if you do forward slash resentment dash journal, you can find this uh, tool that she has created, which I think is, is awesome. So check that out. And it's in the show notes as well. And thank you for listening. If you are looking for more inspiration, empowerment, yes, this podcast is all about you and helping all of us feel better and support each other as women. So if you want more, check out our website, which is winweightloss.com. That's W-Y-N-weightloss.com. And if you do forward slash blog, you'll get a bunch of great articles there. So WIN stands for with your nature. Work with your nature for lasting and sustainable health. And weight loss is always a byproduct of improved health and an improved relationship with you, yourself, and food. Thanks for listening.